Good morning, King's Cross. I, I'm not going straight to a Backstreet Boys audition. <laughs> For those of you who weren't alive in the 90s, you don't know what we're talking about. But. Uh, wonderful. We are, we are continuing. Mark is um, at school today. He's got uh, two days of uh, intensive, and he's drawing near the end of his study, Nass. That's right, huh? So I think there'll be some relief when, when he gets there. Um, as uh, Jib said, we're continuing our One Another series this morning. The, script, the New Testament in particular is full of all of these One Another verses, and we've been looking at them as we go along. And so what, what I'm going to try to do this morning is I'm going to take a few minutes to look at the text which Haley read for us, and then I'm going to ask Anna to explain some things to us as she is very wise in these matters. Many of you, if you've been encouraged by Anna before, just put up your hand. There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so we're dealing with an authority on the matter. Uh, let, me, let me go to the text, and then we're going to focus down on, on particular the final verse in the text, or the second final verse, where it says, let us consider how we might stir or spur one another on towards love and good deeds. How we might spur. The community group, someone looked up that word spur, and it was like a actual spur, uh, uh, irritant, an irritant, but uh, we'll see how we go. We, we hope we don't irritate you too much, only by the Holy Spirit for your good. <laughs> Nervous life. All right. Uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 10, and it reads like this. It starts off, therefore, let us, uh, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. So he's painting a little picture here. He's saying, we have such a confidence, such uh, reassurance to enter into God's presence. This is the gospel that you could never enter God's presence apart from Jesus. But now you have such confidence. If you're good at something, you know, hopefully if you work, you're okay at your job. And if there's two people trying to do the same job, if you had a mechanic and me working on your car, would you prefer the mechanic to do it or, or would you like me to do it? Mechanic, yeah. Easy, easy questions this morning. And so the mechanic has confidence because he is assured of, he knows the engine and he knows what to do. We are assured way beyond the level of a mechanic. We are assured by the blood of Jesus. We are welcomed into God's presence. It cannot be unsure. You know, even mechanics get it wrong. Have you ever experienced that? So we're talking about an earthly level. This is a kingdom God kind of level. I won't, we won't tell car stories this morning. But in, in Jesus, there's no uh, lack. There's no, oh, I didn't know about that. Oh, I misread the situation. Oh, uh, hang on. Oh, you had sin. Oh, that's a big shock. I, I just found out. Sorry, let me go talk to the Father about this. Jesus already knew everything and has sufficiently welcomed us into His presence in, with confidence. And so we have confidence to enter the, most holy, uh, enter the holy place, places by the blood of Jesus, through a new and living way that was opened through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, through His body. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near we can then draw near to Jesus with a heart full of assurance, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Do you believe the gospel? Jesus has sprinkled you clean, completely. Completely, completely clean. This is the gospel. You cannot get clean in any other way except by the blood of Jesus. Believe upon the blood of Jesus. 
This is such an amazing invitation, such an amazing picture. This is the most beautiful picture you could ever imagine. We are cleaned. We are washed with pure water, it says. So therefore let us hold fast to our confession of hope without wavering. Jesus, Anna didn't like this story, but I'm going to tell it. We, we were at community group on Wednesday night, and we were sitting in, a few, a few of the guys were sitting in the lounge, and dinner, we had great dinner, and then dessert was served, but we didn't know about the dessert. We were sitting there chatting and chatting, and then I, could, I just saw someone else eating dessert, and I was like, come on, that's not right. <laughs> and we were still talking, so I, I said, guys, dessert is on. Let's go. And then, of course, the conversation ceased. Everyone, all the blokes stampeded into the kitchen to grab dessert. I'm elaborating a bit. It wasn't quite a stampede. It was close to a stampede. Mum Jewel, yeah, thank you. The point being, there was something good going on, and we wanted in. And then I, was t- and then I invited everyone in, right? It's like, there's dessert. Let's get there. It's delicious. When there's something good going on, we normally want to invite other people into it. This is describing something that is the best news ever. This is the best thing that Jesus washes us clean. Jesus loves us. He welcomes us into the prison. This is better than dessert. This is way better. Let's get there. It's like I was panicked to include others and get there myself, right? This is the, this is the picture that's being painted here. There's something glorious and beautiful that is available. So therefore, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Who is faithful? Jesus. He who is promised is faithful. Are you perfectly faithful? Anyone? No hands, I hope. I hope no hands. We'll have to pray for you afterwards. We want to be faithful, but we're not. But we have a great high priest who is perfectly faithful. That's why we have confidence. Even when we mess up, we have confidence because Jesus is faithful. My faithfulness is never sufficient. And so Jesus is faithful. That's why we have confidence. And this is the verse we get to now, which we want to look at this morning in particular. Let us then consider, in the view of all this, in, in, in view of something that's way better than pudding or dessert, in view of the greatest, most beautiful news ever, the cleansing of our hearts, the welcoming of us into God's presence where there is peace, shalom, wholeness, the purpose of life, pure contentment, absolute joy. In view of all this being available to us, let us then consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The context of this salvation is put immediately by the right of Hebrews into community. He says, therefore, all this has gone on, then we can together spur one another on. And then he reinforces by saying, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but do this, encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is coming back. Do this more and more. So that's a five-minute exposition of the text. We could, that's a well-known text, actually. There's hours and hours of YouTubing on it if you'd like to go deeper into that text. But that's the basic idea. There's a glorious priest who's welcomed us. He's washed us clean. Hold on to him. And now we get to do this together. We get to welcome or encourage one another in 
love and good deeds. All right, I'm going to ask Anna to ask a few questions and let her just uh, chat to us. Anna's a wonderful, wonderful lady. I'm married to her. It's my wife, if you didn't know. She loves to encourage people. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll be doing something and she just will say, oh, we sh- that person w- needs this or whatever. I'm like, why are you thinking about all these things now? It's just a constant flowing from her of how to encourage other people. And so she's gifted in this way. Uh, and so I'm going to start by asking my love, what is, why encourage others towards love and good deeds? Open question. Why don't you start us off with that point? I will. Is this working? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I reckon there are... T- Thanks, babe. That was really sweet. I reckon there are two reasons um, why we should encourage each other to love and good deeds. And so the first one is that we're imitators of God. And when we think about that really, really well-known scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, I think that really models um, why how we can imitate God. So for God so loved, that, that is who, that's his identity, that is who he is, his love, and he's operating from that place of love um, that he gave. So that love actually compels us to action. Um, so for God so loved that he gave his one and only son. So he withheld not a thing. He, he withheld nothing. And so I think in... in our imitation of God, we can follow that pattern in our own lives. Um, and when I, there's this old hymn, it says, when I survey, no, <laughs> that won't be encouraging. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. See from his head, his hands, his feet, Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? With a whole realm of nature mine that were a tribute far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And I just think, Jesus paid such a high price for your life that we can't withhold anything from him. His, his calling is too holy and too high for us to withhold our lives from him and that yielding of our lives to him in how we live out our lives. Um, so it's about loving Jesus. I think that's why we encourage love and good deeds but it's also just really really good for us and for others like God don't need your good deeds God don't need your love he delights in it but he doesn't need it but it's really really good for you and it's good for the people around you because if you think about so if you're encouraging someone to love if, if someone was living with unforgiveness or bitterness or speaking unkindly of others or living a selfish existence that's not good for their soul. <laughs> that is not the way we've been designed. God designed us to be outward beings, to be loving beings. And so in encouraging someone to love, you're doing a good and kind thing for them. And I think it's also um, really good. 
it grows a person beyond themselves and into Christ. Because when I think about like parenting or we have been trying to go to the gym and they just like, okay, let's use the gym. They just like make it really hard all the time. And like the moment you feel like maybe you've got a chance of getting through the 15 like weighted squat jumps or whatever it is, then they make it 20 and then they make it 25. And it's like you never, ever, ever get to a place where it's easy or comfortable or you can achieve it without looking terrible. And so I just... But that, that process of putting weight on muscle is what grows it. It's like if we, if we are not growing in these areas of love and good deeds, no weight is being brought to bear on a muscle. And so therefore it can't mature. Your faith can't mature without these things. So when you're encouraging others to that, you're also doing a good thing because you're encouraging faith to grow in a person because they require Christ's help to act in those ways. So therefore, it grows them into Christ and a reliance on Christ. Um, so also, I just love that it kind of always, God always takes things beyond the individual. So like um, my friend had, was, was going to have knee surgery because her knee joint was weak. And then she had to do all this like training stuff beforehand to prepare the parts of the body around that knee to be strong, like to, to help it so that when they did whatever they needed to do, that they'd be able to quickly recover. So don't you think it's beautiful that when there's like a weak part, um, because God has designed us in this body, not only does that weak part get helped by the parts around it, those actually, those parts around it by helping the weak part strengthen, like they get stronger. And so the weakness draws out strength and then the whole body is strengthened and encouraged. So I love that God doesn't ever just leave it at the individual journey, which is a good journey, like a living a life of love, living a life of outwardness, is good for us personally, but the body is strengthened by the weakness and the acts of good service. Um, so it's basically out of an esteem for Jesus and a genuine care for other people that we would spur people on to love and good deeds. Um, yeah. Awesome. Very good, huh? Um, we have a we tend to have an allergy, right, to. Um, well, we have a high individualism in, in the West in particular. Um, I know there's a story of, and you may have seen this, of a, of a child who is learning to put their shoes on and wants to tie their laces. And they can't tie their laces because they don't know how. They've never tied a bow in their life. But when they start to tie their laces, they think they can do it. They're independent. They believe that they have everything they need within them to do that job when they don't. And what happens when mum or dad reaches down to help tie the laces? Anyone seen that before? <laughs> yeah, there you go, Stephen, smack. <laughs> I, I independently can do this. You're born with that, that sin in your heart that you believe you are independent and sufficient to do it, and you're, you're not. And so we need, what you're saying when you live in dependence, you're saying, Thank you, Jesus, for the body of Christ, but I just don't need it. 
that's what you're saying. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll start, I don't want to start preaching. So, uh, starting off then, we know that it's, it's encouraging. Encouragement is good. Love and good deeds is good because it imitates God. It shows us we become more like Jesus. But two, it's also good for us. It's for our good and His glory. We begin to uh, grow and we are strengthened. We encourage, we're built up. It's actually for our wholeness, for our health that we become like this. So maybe, and maybe you can just talk about, I mean, I've seen you do this so many times. What kind of encouragement do we bring to others? So I think we can agree. It's a good idea, right? That's a great idea. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to encourage others. That sound, that's good for me. It's good for them. But what is the kind of encouragement that we want to be bringing to other people? Talk a bit about that. Yeah, I think, like, God did make us all different. And even when I read the different characters in the New Testament, they do operate in different ways. So, like, I'm just going to speak with a slant that is slightly more my slant, which... <laughs> um, but I think it's a kind of... I don't think it's a gentle kind of suggestion. I actually feel like it's sort of like the kind of encouragement that puts courage in someone. It, like, it puts fire in their belly. And um, when I hear Josh screaming on the sideline at a race that our kids are running, it's not a gentle kind of like, run along there, Zaya. Well done. Perhaps you could consider running this way and crossing the line. It's not like that, right? It's like wild and loud and you can't really listen to the recordings because it's so because he's yelling right next to the phone. But, you know, it's that kind of passionate encouragement because we are all in this race and it's this, like, spurring each other on to finish the race and we're doing it together and Jesus is at the end and your eye is on the prize and you're like, with single-minded devotion, we are running towards that thing. So that, to me, is the kind of courage that we can bring to our brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, I don't know if you had some other thoughts about that. Like maybe just that operating from like... So sometimes yeah. we operate... So I said sometimes yeah, sure. it's the way we're designed. So I'm obviously... A, I'm an aggressive yeah. lover. That's okay. So, <laughs> so, so you, want, you want me to speak as the gentle lover, do you? <laughs> so... <laughs> I think that's, that, that's right. Like we have so sometimes, sometimes we play within our space. But yeah. then also sometimes we play outside of our space, yeah. right? <laughs> so I think that's right. When we encourage each other, there's, there's got to be a lot of... Um, oh, Jesus, help us again. <laughs> there's a lot of space for, for personality. But, you know, sometimes we, we see things and we go, I wish I could encourage that person in this. I see them driving towards the edge of that cliff. And I wish I could encourage them. But what happens is you might have a personality which goes... I don't want to say anything because that's an awkward conversation. That, that's going to be real awkward. I, I just, I don't want to bring, I, I just want to show them kindness and grace and love. It's not really love. That's actually self-love because what you're doing is you love your comfort more than you love the awkward conversation. And so for those of you who are more like me who go, you know what, if they want help, they'll ask. Um, <laughs> I'll just watch them drive off the cliff. There's kind of has to be a, a courage that comes into you to go, you know what, I, I'm not going to self-love in this moment. I'm going to say something. 
And so you can say nothing out of self-love, but you can also say too much out of self-love. So when I was younger in high school, I would, I'd love getting into arguments of all sorts. of. Just, it was just a joy to me. And so I would, you, I would say things because they made m me feel good. And afterwards, I'd go, yeah, that was awesome. I really stuck it to them. Brilliant. I'll go away feeling happy. That, again, yelling at someone to make yourself, it's, again, it's self-love. So obviously the, the motive is always love for the other person. And you may do that. It's not wrong to scream. I think it's great to cheer and scream like, come on, let's go, let's do it. That's wonderful. If you're the person who doesn't want to do that, you have to encourage yourself to say, you know what, the Bible calls me and says, let me consider, the text we're focusing on, consider how you can encourage others. So no one's off the hook here. It's not the elders must encourage people. It's the whole body. Every one of us has a biblical call to encourage one another towards love and good deeds. So when you see someone behaving without love or without good deeds, that the Bible calls you to consider how you might be able to encourage them towards it. And so I think there's kind of two examples in there where you, where you don't want to be, and just do a quick test on yourself. Uh, when you see something, do you, love, do you love to hammer home the truth or do you love to say nothing? And normally you'll pretty easily fit into one of those, one of those categories. And just then uh, ask God to help you. And I think God wants us if we're a lion, to learn to be like a lamb. If you're a lamb, to learn to be like a bit of a lion in these situations. Of course, you see this immediately, and the re uh, one of the other main purposes in it is the gospel. And you see it in, in the Scripture where Paul rebukes Peter. Peter, you, you may know this story. Peter's arrived, at, at, he's helping out with the church, and a bunch of the guys arrive from Jerusalem who are very Jewish, and he separates himself from the Gentiles and he starts eating with them and, and kind of there's a, a vibe being created where they're looking down on the Gentiles who, who don't have the Jewish history and law. And Paul gets up and says, rebukes him publicly and says, what you're doing is you're not behaving in line with the gospel. He says, you're violating the gospel and I, and I can no longer just sit back and applaud it. And so that's, that's the, the motive is one, love, but two, the gospel. I, I see you jumping off a cliff where you ought not to. You, you, your behavior is now violating the gospel. And we ought to say something. And Paul takes the, the gospel, not, hey, Josh doesn't like that, so I'm going to tell him about it. What is the gospel? How, how, do, how would the gospel, how would the gospel show? In this situation, you're being a racist. In this situation, you're refusing to forgive. In this situation, you're putting yourself first. These are all gospel issues. They're not personality issues. And so we need the Holy Spirit's help, of course, to know how and when to do this. Um, I'll, just la I'll, I'll, I'll land one more te text, and then I'll ask you to tell a story. Um, in, at the end of the book of Jude, uh, Jackie Hill Perry does this in her study. Of the, I know some of you have been doing, following her. But at the end of the book of Jude, it says there... Uh, I'm looking for show mercy. I wanted to say encourage. It says show mercy to those who are doubting or wavering. So Jude encourages some people are struggling. Bring mercy to them. The next line says and snatch back those who are on uh, who are about to enter the fire. I'm paraphrasing. Josh paraphrases. You can go read the end of Jude. 
But there's two, there's two, in the same sentence, there's two phrases going on. One is, show mercy to those who are doubting. To those who are about to wreck, shipwreck themselves, snatch. <laughs> snatch, prod, spur, stab, do something. <laughs> um, and, then, and then the next line he adds, uh, fetch or redeem them all out of fear. Do it in reverence and fear, i.e., because you love God out of fear, not because I love to do X, Y, and Z, but because I'm, uh, I'm loving God, I'm concerned, I'm concerned for His glory and for His good, and I love Jesus in this. So we need the Holy Spirit's wisdom. Even in the text, the Jude text, it gives two examples in the same sentence. Uh, sometimes someone just needs grace and a mercy. Sometimes someone needs to be warned. What you're doing is really going to... Um, really not going to help you. <laughs> and so, I know, love, anyway, that's, that was kind of some I thought, did you have an additional no. story on that? Well, like that? I was thinking about, yeah. you know, you're hearing all this and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, we need to do it really well and with the right intentions and having thought it through and considered and, and that is all true and like we are just going to spend the next little part talking about how to do it. But I did just want to bring some encouragement. Um, I think... It's actually God who is orchestrating growth in a person's life. And I remember there was a period of time, I just started dating Josh. Um, Miriam, and, Miriam and Ruth were around during this period of time. Um, but there was just this period of time where God was just hammering me through people. Like, and they were blunt instruments. Like, it was not done smoothly or kindly or well in any way. Like, it was just rough. And now, looking back on it, I feel like I, I see this picture of God and I was this, like, lump. And he was, you know that beautiful, like, hand-beaten gold that you see? And every dent, you can see it in it. And it's like... I've watched it in other people's lives and I can see it in my own. There's this point that he brings people to where he takes us as vessels for ourselves and he does this inside-out work and it's through beating us. Like it's a beating process that turns us into vessels that are outward-focused and outward-looking and live for others and it's a painful process. It's not... A, a lump can't be formed in that fashion without a beating process, in my opinion and perspective. And so God uses the people around us in that process. So I just kind of want to encourage you that um, even if, if your heart is good, even if you are pretty dreadful at the delivery, there's a story in the Bible where God uses an actual donkey to speak to Israel because he just needed to get a message out there. Like, if God can use an actual donkey, he can use you. So, like, there's definite hope. <laughs> but I think the key in this process is that we have this heart of humility. The reality is we, Jesus claimed us for himself and then if we in any way think that we have arrived, we are sorely mistaken. Our whole lives are a journey of humbling and they're a journey of dying. And so that 
there needs to be this deep humility that sits in each of us to be encouraged by others, to be spurred on by others. And we, we need to yield ourselves to that and receive that from really broken people around us. I think the most encouraged... I, I receive so much encouragement from Christians who are younger than me or people who are younger than me. Like, just... The encouragement comes ultimately from God and we need to yield to receiving it from whoever he decides to bring that through. That will be through people who you look at their lives and you think, what the heck are you thinking you can speak to me about this? Your life is a red hot mess, but it's not. It's God who's orchestrating the work and you actually need... It. Any kind of delivery from any kind of person can be for your good and your benefit if you humble yourself before God and allow him to do the work that he is wanting to do. So I really want to encourage us all to have that heart of humble receiving of whatever it is that God is wanting to do. Obviously with wisdom, obviously in conjunction with other people because some things people have said to me are total rubbish and you just like got to chuck that out but you know what I mean you get the point um so yeah be humble cool the humility of approachability um there's a common lie that we think no one knows me better than me Mm. you have to abandon that completely the bible says that uh, we are spiritually blind you know, the uh, actual blind person knows he's blind, so he gets a dog and a stick, or he or she, and gets help and makes adjustments in their life to compensate for the blindness. Spiritually blind people, that's us, in this room, 10 out of 10 of you are spiritually blind. You have pockets of things you don't see in your life. It's just reality. That's how the Bible describes us. And the, the harder part is you don't think, you think you see. You think you see. And that's why we need the body of Christ. That's why Jesus has put us together. Of course, the goal is not to be a blunt instrument, of course. I don't think Anna's saying that at all. <laughs> but the point is, we are, we are broken. We are um, together. And if you've been in any relationship for any amount of time with parents, friends, siblings, you'll understand that people are broken. And sometimes they're expressing something very poorly, but often... God's still speaking to us. God's going to work. He's doing something. And I think that's a wonderful encouragement to stay humble and go, well, what, what, God, what are you saying to me? And often those seasons, it does feel like that, right? Sometimes you look everywhere you look, it's like, oh, man, this thing again. I thought I was, I thought I was progressing. <laughs> oh, this again, this again. It's the, it's the rescue of grace. God's grace is coming to you. God sends people of grace to give grace to people who need grace. Welcome to the church. This is a people of grace bringing the grace of rescue to each other. All right, let's one another I'm going to ask you another question. So we're imitating God, we're being uh, it's good for us. Um, what is the kind of help we need to give? That's that's good. It's the kind of help that actually rescues, actually challenges, puts courage in. But maybe some practical tips on how do we do this as a final question. How can we actually do this? The text I want to ask all of us just to think of is this text. Consider how you 
can encourage others towards love and good deeds. Even while you're sitting there now, you can do this text this morning. Consider how you can encourage. So if you, if you know someone right now who needs encouragement, think about them. Consider how you can do this. Maybe even write their name down in your phone or on a piece of paper. How am I going to encourage others this morning towards love and good deeds? So how do we do this? How can we do this? Okay, so I do just want to say, has anyone ever experienced a, a do-gooder, but it didn't feel very good to you? Like, so sometimes people do good deeds and they're not very good. Like, <laughs> I think, like, love and good deeds have to go together. So how do you know that it's a good deed? The person feels loved. If the person doesn't feel loved probably not a good deed so just maybe considering that in the mix is helpful um, and love does really need to be genuine and uh, I think we were read in that Romans passage a few weeks back so it says let your love be genuine so often I think a really great starting place is um, just allowing God to marinate kind of like this love in you and often that actually gets spurred on by maybe someone who's irritated you or maybe you've noticed them because they're annoying or like they just like keep on being on your mind or in your way but like um, there's this like marination of love being genuine that can occur before any good deeds gonna happen um, because they can't be separated uh, so how do we do this I reckon some people get, and they've said it to me a lot of times, and look, fair call, but there are some concerns people have about good deeding, and one of them is they legit don't actually know how to be helpful. Like, you might look at a scene, and it might all just seem like chaos to you, and you're like, how can I be helpful? I actually would like to be but I have no concept of where to start or how to do this. The other thing that often comes up is um, people will say, like, oh, you're going to overdo it. You're going to burn yourself out, doing too much, always doing too, always doing good, like just constantly doing good. And so there's those kind of two concerns. So I just wanted to address those, if I may. Thank you. That's the right answer. <laughs> so how do I be a good doer uh, there's a song that says if you can't be with the one you want love the one you're with anyway it's not really a Christian song <laughs> but if you think of like if you can't be with the one you want Jesus yet because he's coming back <laughs> then love the one you're with, like love the one like right in front of you. So that's always a really good place to start is loving the one you're with. Um, but you won't forget it now, Tilly. <laughs> love the one you're with. <laughs> oh, Josh, do a dance. No, uh, so. So <laughs> uh, there's just like five things that I think are helpful. One, uh, listen to people and spend time with them. It is very difficult to know what is going on in a person's life or how you can be helpful um, if you don't know their life and you're not with them. So that is helpful. 
understand their lives and understand what is going on. I love the idea of the photo book. That's really cool because people can kind of nominate it for themselves. But there also does need to be this uh, proactive thing that we do to understand other people's lives. So listen and spend time, know their lives. Pray. The Holy Spirit knows them better than you, you do. So how can I love them well? And that will often surprise me. That often surprises me. See, my problem is I often don't pause and pray. I'll just see a thing because for me it's quite easy to see and you'll know other people as well who uh, it's easy for them to see. But the pausing and praying is really vital because God might be trying to do a whole other different thing and you're jumping in and you're getting in the way and that is the kind of activity that does, can burn you out because it's not the thing that God lays on you, you can do. Like you've got the grace in you to do it. But the thing that he hasn't laid on you, you're going to fall in, you're going to run into troubles and anyone who's witnessed my life long enough will know there's a good way and a bad way to do it. So, <laughs> right, Miriam. <laughs> um, so pray, the Holy Spirit knows them. Pause. How do I love them well? There are so many different ways. Consider that. Um, consider what you can do to help or how you have been given resources to help. If you are a tragic cook, please just like consider other ways to help. Okay? So we... <laughs> We've moved house and I, I, we have experienced, just, just now, we have experienced the love of this community in so many different and beautiful ways. And each person has found within themselves a, a way they can help. And it's not all the same. That's the whole point of a body. It's all different. So consider that well. Then... Once you've considered it, you make the offer or ask the question. This is like sales 101. Make the offer or ask the question. So Carolyn Versace actually does this super well. I've learned this from her. She will consider. Then she will send me a text message. Hello, Anna. Um, I have noticed that you might need some help this week. I am going to the grocery store on this date at this time and I would like to ask whether it would be helpful for me to buy fruit for you or give you a meal. And then I say, thank you, Carolyn, yes, please. <laughs> do, do both. <laughs> but, but you need to communicate that step to the person. So you make the offer and you allow that person to receive it or not. I think that's really important because the receiving is, the re is a really humbling, beautiful part of what God is trying to do as well. Once you've made that offer, it's up to God and that person whether they receive it or not. And that's the beauty of the situation. So, um, and then the last one is do the good. Actually follow through and do it. Okay, excellent. Um, the second concern, which is like, am I going to burn out doing too much for others? Um, how much is too much do-gooding? Um, Jesus withheld nothing. Like zero he withheld. So, and 
the reality of the situation is sometimes actually people feel a distance from God. But if you go to the places where Jesus is, and that's doing good, Jesus is always doing good, you will actually find that you draw into intimacy with him because you're about the business that he's about. So there is like this actual um, enlivening and refreshing of your heart that comes when you are partnering with him in that process. Honestly, if you are feeling distance from God, just try this out for a while and see what happens in your heart and your spirit because he's there and so you're drawing close. Um, but also it's his responsibility to care for you. So he is your shepherd. It is his primary responsibility. And I love that from the rising sun to the setting sun. He is faithful. He, he will never, ever, ever fail you in caring for you. So it's his job to care for you. And it's your job to withhold nothing from him. And so as you do that beautiful dance of withholding nothing and yielding your whole life and your whole self, because living this, loving and doing good deeds is not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. And it's not producing the life. It won't produce the life that you had planned. It will produce the life that the king of your life has planned. And so there's this, um, this yielding and there's this absolute responsibility that he takes on to care for you in that process of you withholding nothing um yes done that's great love well done so this morning uh thanks love for sharing that if you want to grow in encouraging and spurring each other onto love and good deeds um i think you'll learn a lot from anna that's why we asked her to do this because she's very um mature in it. She's been doing it for a long time. She's learned, bumped her head, um, but constantly pursued loving and encouraging others. I think when I asked who's been encouraged by Anna, almost every hand went up. Wouldn't it be a wonderful church where we do this uh, on, a, on a kind of intentional, in an intentional way? How can I consider? That's the, that's the word this morning. If you take one thing this morning, consider how you, make it personal, consider how you can encourage other people. Hopefully, we've given some practical sort of framework. But wouldn't it be great for a whole church community where just this kind of thing happens more and more? Honestly, King's Cross does do it heaps. So I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, there's zero out there. Let's try to get something on the board. <laughs> it's the opposite. It's like we see this all the time. I want to invite every one of you into it. If you, if you struggle, particularly with inward focus, I love Anna's encouragement. Try this out because you'll find the presence of Jesus with you in these moments. I'm going to land it back in the text and then ask Jib to lead us in communion. I'm just going to read Hebrews 10 one more time. And Jib, if you can take us to communion. Therefore, since we have confidence to come into the holy place by the blood of Jesus through a new and living way that has been opened for us through the curtain which is his blood. What a privilege. Our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies are washed with pure water. Wow, God is good. Let us hold fast then to our confession of hope without wavering, for he, Jesus, 
who promised is faithful. He will shepherd you. He will lead you. He will enable you. He is faithful. Let us then consider how we can stir one another on to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some of the habit of doing, and, but all the more as we see the day drawing near. Jesus is coming back. This is glorious and good. It's how God made us. We were never made to do laugh by ourselves. We were made to serve and love each other and to be encouraged and built up. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to Jesus be glory in the church through all generations, both now and forevermore. Amen. Thanks, Jude.